And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Blazing Powers is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals of last-minute tickets. Did you know Blackhawks tickets tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. You know, personally, I when I get on the site, I, I love how you can see the panoramic views. You can see where exactly where you're sitting. Uh, you know what sort of view you're going to have when you have the tickets, and when you get there, it, it's 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 what they sell you. So it's uh, it's easy to see where you're going to sit and and how the, it's going to look where you sit. So uh, so go ahead to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game GameTime and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers. I'm Mark Lazarus of The Athletic, joined by Scott Powers, also of The Athletic. Um, the Blackhawks are the best team in the history of hockey. They are clearly going to win the Stanley Cup, probably the next several Stanley Cups. And I don't know what we're going to talk about for the rest of the year because nothing bad will ever happen again. Right, Scott? Yep. All right. Is that yeah, it? That was a good show. Good show. <laughs> good show. Uh, <laughs> buy all of our sponsors' products and uh, we'll see you in no. <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk about PDO a little bit here. Um, I, I solicited, solicited some questions online, and uh, Agonisti, who is a very uh, prolific tweeter, uh, he got to the point that I want to make here is, how long do you think the goal support relying on finish, scoring in grade A areas, and goaltending will last sustain on this November run with Carolina, Tampa, Dallas twice, Colorado twice coming up? Um, and that, that gets to the heart of this issue is right now, 
The Blackhawks have the highest, the second highest PDO in the league at, um, what is it here? It's like 103.8, something like that, which is very high. But if you go back to November 1st, just in November, they have a 107.3 PDO, which is just sky high. And for those who don't know, PDO is basically a measure of how well things are going for you luck-wise, your shooting percentage plus your save percentage. Right now, the Blackhawks, since November 1st, have the highest shooting percentage in the league at 12.76. Average is like 8 or 9 usually. And their save percentage is 90, uh, 9, 945, I believe. 945, yeah. Which is also very, very high. So my question to you, Scott, is, I mean, they're built for this. They have a lot of sharp shooters, and they have two elite goaltenders. How realistic is it that they can keep playing at this level? I, I think and I think we're starting to see a sample size of at least that they can win at this level. You know, I think you, you go back to last season, and, and they opened off the offense in, in a similar way. And, and they won more often than not, and there were certainly spurts where the offense dried up, and there were games they were being outscored. But when we talk about point pace and we talk about, you know, uh, expected goals for against actual goals for, I think the Blackhawks are, like you said, they're built to be this team. They sort of defy expectations. So uh, going back to Kelvin DeHaan's point about Corsi and some of those numbers, and it's a team where it doesn't really matter, um, at least in the regular season, right? Like the, it's, the playoffs are different, and, and who knows what that brings. But, you know, you look at Kane and DeBrinca, these are all guys who are often going to be on the ice against – uh, you know, more goal, more shots and, and high-quality shots against, but uh, they defy those by being really accurate. And, and Gustafson and some of these guys, you know, we're, we're for tomorrow we're doing the uh, uh, player grades for the first 20 games, and I've been going through some of the numbers. And uh, statistically, the, at least the underlying numbers, the Blackhawks aren't an impressive team. This is nothing... Uh, nothing like the teams that we covered when they won the Cups and they were a possession team and all these underlying numbers were in the Blackhawks' uh, advantage. And now it, it's the opposite where um, all the numbers are, are, are pretty messy. You know, they, they're giving up a lot of chances against and high danger chances in a lot of these areas. And, and they're defined that by, by scoring on, uh, you know, really good shots or, or just by having players who can score more difficult goals. So, um the two things going for them is they have players like Kane and Debrinket, and then two they have two elite goaltenders. So I don't think this is a recipe um, that you prefer or how you want to win games. But I, I think it's something this team can do, and I, I think there are going to be nights where they go against them because you know I look at the Vegas game and Nashville game, and there there's spurts of those games where Nashville or Vegas, if they had the right players taking those shots, or or or, or you know Crawford or Leonard weren't perfect on on defending them. Uh, that those some of those easily turn into goals. So I, I think there are nights where Nashville could be leading three nothing after the first period, um, or, or Vegas wins that game. But there's also games, and maybe more often than not, and I guess that's what's important is the Blackhawks uh, find ways to win those games. Yeah, I mean it, it. It is really is. They are defying the odds. If you look at Natural Stat Tricks model, uh, their expected goals for percentage for the month of November is 29th in the league at 44.05%. That's worse than the Red Wings. That's worse than the Rangers. And here they are, 6-1-2 and two while doing that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is what they're built to do. They're built to defy the odds. Um, I don't know if you could do it long-term. We've seen PDO catch up with a lot of teams over the years. But then you look at a team like the New York Islanders last year. Uh, they were a PDO team because their goaltending was so good, and it stayed good. Robin Leonard was a big part of that. Robin Leonard and Thomas Grice behind a really good defense had a, an abnormally high save percentage that lasted all year long. 
And Island, the, the Islanders don't have nearly the offensive ability that the Blackhawks have. So when you combine that, if you take great goaltending and add better offense, I, I can see it. You know, I, they're not going to sustain at 6-1-2 and two or 4-0-1, and one, whatever they've been playing recently, that rate. They're not going to win all their games going out. But I don't see any reason why they can't be a successful above 500 team, a playoff caliber team, a wild card team, a third place team. Uh, playing this style, this is the only way they can win because they're not going to win 2-1. to one. They're not going to be able to play that uh, that shutdown style. So open it up, let them run. It's it, it makes for entertaining hockey. It, the players are more engaged. You can see that Patrick Kane is having the time of his life out there. I think he's got nine goals and eight assists, or eight goals and nine assists in his nine game point streak here. Because um, he's out there, he's playing with guys that that run and gun with Debrinket and Strom, and uh, everyone's having fun. The room uh, compared to with a month ago, it was pretty bleak. Now everyone's having a good time. Everyone's cracking jokes. People are available to talk every day. The entire tenor of this team has turned around, and it's because they're just letting it rip. Who doesn't want to play that style? Last year, the top PDO teams were uh, the Capitals were in first, Islanders second, Lightning. Uh, this is this is five and five. So Capitals, Islanders, Lightning, Leafs, and Penguins. I mean, all teams, uh, they're all pretty good teams, especially the Lightning. So it's not, yeah. I, I, I mean, none of those teams won the Cup last year. Um but uh, yeah, teams that are that's not the goal right now for this team. The goal for this team right no, now is no, just to get sure. in. Just to get in would be a big deal. And and, and arguably, you know, if, if you're in the playoffs and you get a hot goaltender, I mean, I, so there's there's that recipe, you know, where it's not just um, it's not just teams you, you scoring a lot of goals. It's 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 you giving up less goals than you're supposed to. So I, I think that's where it's at too. Where it's not even just having a team um, that's that's producing more goals than than it's expected to it's 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 stopping more goals than it's supposed to too so it's 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 yeah i don't know i i think i think there's a lot of positive i know i i feel like there's people are never gonna be happy with this team just because um they're gonna win in this funky way you know like i i don't think things are gonna automatically change with this team anytime soon it's you know i I could see stan bowman maybe trying to make a move at the deadline if they're in it but even then you know cap space is uh uh, they don't have much cap space, and and the players they probably would try to move the the free cap space. I I, I don't know what's what's possible there. You know, um, I I think this is the team, and and maybe they perfect this. You know, you, you hope guys like Doc and Nylander find some more consistency, and and maybe those are the X factors. And um, you know, I, I think uh, you know if he goes to Keith and Murphy, I think there's there's some more potential there to have more of a top pairing. And um, but you know, as long as Leonard and Crawford are healthy and playing like this. I, I think they're going to be in a lot of games, uh, you know, re- regardless. And, and a part of it's the, the penalty kill being better, too, and you're starting to produce in the power play. And um, those are some of the factors last year where even despite not having this type of goaltending, um, those are the factors, you know. If the penalty kill had been better last year, I, I think they're a playoff team. It was just, it was just so awful. And um, even as bad as they were defensively, I mean, they were giving up similar numbers. Um, and and scoring a little bit less than they are probably right now, but um, it, it's uh, I, I think those little factors, you know, guys like Carpenter and, and um, you know they make a huge difference of what this team's doing too. Just uh, just having that goal difference here or there, it's um, yeah, it's big. You know, I, I I don't know if it's Stanley Cup contender, but I, I certainly feel like it's it's a playoff team, and this is this is more the team that we sort of expected to begin the year. Yeah, and just imagine if the power play really does get going, because right now it's still not very good it's 25th in the league at 14.5 percent that's not gonna and that's cut with it, yesterday right? yeah that's with yeah that's exactly so uh if they can figure that out and, and man i don't know about the units they were using last night that was 
some curious usage out there. I don't, I don't see, you know, uh, it, it might be time to take Shaw off the power play. I know he's had success there in the past. Maybe put Kirby Doc out there while he's feeling it. See if you can kind of maximize him a little bit more. Um, I, the, 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 having Duncan Keith back there is not a good idea. That's not his strong suit. Um, I think you need to have Seabrook up top. If you're going to have the one defenseman, you have the big, the big booming shot. Keith just doesn't have that. Um, Gustafson on one and, 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 and Seabrook on the other. Um, but they got to figure that out because if you get the power play rolling, then all of a sudden this team is going to be scoring just ridiculous amount of goals and nothing else is going to matter. Well, I think you maybe go back to what what Carlton had before was where he had, you know, you, 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 just, you just put everyone on the top unit that you want, and then, you know, I, I thought his explanation for having two defensemen on the second unit made sense in that usually that, that, that top unit would be on the ice for so long that when the second one came on, that usually it turns into five-on-five five play and you want to be a little bit more defensive. And, and and I think there's a fear with Seabrook being the lone defenseman out there that the play can end up the other way sure. and, and you don't have someone back. So if you put Keith and Seabrook on the second unit and you, and you load up that first unit again and you know Gustafson's confidence is, is coming back, he's got a couple goals and certainly feeling it again. And um, and you have all those guys, you know, playing better at five on five. I think the confidence is a whole group is up there that too. That I think I, I get where you wanted balance, but I I think when this team was rolling, it, it had that front, uh, you know, that top unit was was loaded up, and uh, you put them out there on the ice as much as possible. Yeah, I agree. Just go Strom to Brinkett, Kane with Taves and Gustafson, and just let them go nuts. They'll figure it out again. I mean, they did it for long enough last year that they'll figure it out again. But that's that's kind of we're noticing that seems to be a Colleton hallmark is a lot of tinkering. We used to make fun of Joel Quenville for tinkering a fair bit, but but Colleton really doesn't have a lot of patience with with lines and with uh, power play units. The lines are starting to stabilize now because it's working. But for a month or so, he was changing them you know, period by period for a long time there. And you need to kind of let these guys figure it out on their own. And I think if with that talented a unit that we saw last year, they'll figure it out eventually. Like you said, Gustafson's confidence is back very high again. I think that makes a big difference when he's quarterbacking that unit. Uh, let's talk, speaking of confidence, let's talk about Kirby Doc, who has, uh, who's got all of a sudden. I was going to say too, the, the, I was going to say that I thought yeah, Colleton was reluctant to change his system. And that's why he was, uh, he wanted to, he thought, his system would work with the right combination too, you know, like I think he wanted to try every single line. Just, uh, I think his preference would be to have four low, you know, to, to, to be more defensive minded. Um, and it was only when that didn't work that he sort of, uh, you know, opened things up and, and this combination worked because he, he tried that the brink had, uh, Strom can line a bit there and, and moved away from it pretty quickly because ultimately they need space and they need to be able to get the puck moving out of the zone quickly. And, and the way they were playing, it wasn't happening. And I, and I, and I, so I, yeah, I think that's where that came into play too, was that I think that he was, uh, he, he felt strongly about the way they were playing and that it was going to work. And eventually the like combinations would work. And um, so I, I feel like we've even saw some of these combinations and they weren't working because that system wasn't working. Um, or at least the principles of that system weren't working. And now uh, it, it, everything's clicking because this is the way um, that best suited for this team. And it's interesting that, like we talked about this last week, is that that decision wasn't strictly Jeremy Colleton's. It was more of an organizational decision to, hey, we need to open things up. That wasn't just strictly a coaching decision, which, you know, you wonder, <clears throat> you know, when, when there's meddling from, from up top, it can be divisive and it can be problematic, but this has worked so well that I don't think anyone can really complain. I don't think anyone's really in a situation to, to bemoan how it went down. Yeah, and, and, and I know that Carlton and Bowman also have a relationship. I think that 
that Quinville and Bowman didn't have, you know, where absolutely, um, I I think that Bowman's suggestions and I, I think it's very much they work because I you know I've heard in the past where when, when things were going really bad that Bowman was thinking of of, of schemes and ways to. Uh, you know, certain what they can do in the offensive zone and neutral zone, and that I I think that he was also very active in um, suggesting things or trying to figure it out because, yeah, I don't know. I, not that he wasn't invested when Quinville was there, but I feel like that their two domains were very separate. You know, I, I get now. You know, Carlton and Bowman sit together on the plane often, and and they're talking, and, and not that Carlton agrees with everything or, or you know the other way. It's too, more. It's I, much more of a partnership than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I, I think they, I think, they you generally know, see the game the same way. Yeah, no, and I think that's key too. I, I think they were both trying to figure this out because I, I think everyone's jobs are on the line. And I, I, I yeah, again, I think it's also that their relationship was different. Where that it's been, you know, even this off season, uh, I, I think they were very much on the same page of what players they were going to get, and yeah. both had an equals, you know, not an equal say, but at least a pretty, you know, they both had a conversation and communication about what was going on. So I think even as they were struggling here, that it was, um, yeah, I think that Bowman had, you know, had Carlton's air about how they wanted to do things and ways to fix this because it. Um, Everyone, everyone recognized the plan that they started with. It wasn't working, and something had to be altered. Yeah, and that disconnect was evident between Stan and Joel uh, last summer. You know, Stan went out and said he got guys that he thought would work for Joel, but Joel didn't want Brandon Manning. I heard he was pissed when they signed him, uh, and he was like, "On he's like whatever about Chris Kunitz. These weren't the guys that he really wanted." Stan just went out and got guys he thought would work for Joel. Like there wasn't that communication that Colleton and Bowman certainly seemed to have. It's much more of a a partnership, whereas there was always friction between Stan and Joel. Winning, winning sues over everything. But uh, they never really saw the game the same way, which was beneficial in a lot of ways. It's not a bad thing to have a coach who sees the game one way and a GM who sees it another because if you can meld those visions, you can have the best of all worlds, which is what they did in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015. They were able to put together a really great team with those two visions coming together. But once things got bad, it broke bad, and the friction was there, and there wasn't that communication, and we saw how that ended up. So, yeah, it's not a bad thing if the GM and the coach can sit down and talk and actually – beyond just player personnel, but a little bit of an X's and those too. So um, Kirby Doc, who was, that's part of it is, is, is Jeremy Colton was very high on Doc in the draft process. That was a guy that he liked a lot. And uh, we're starting to see why he's got four goals in his last four games, two assists. Also uh, the confidence he's showing those two goals on the back end. A lot of guys don't take backhand shots. That's like a Patrick Kane kind of thing. But Doc feels that he knows he can make that shot. He's roofing backhands, and he's you know hit the the big celebrations, and you know he's he's feeling it out there. He's starting to look like a real NHL player. Yeah, he he's got a little cocky. He's a little cocky motherfucker. Yeah, a little bit. Ways, you know, like he he's uh, and that, that's great. You know, he's an eighteen year old. He's drafted third, and uh, he he's been unleashed. He's here to stay. I yeah, it's um he he was one of those X factors because we we you know I think we recognize within that you know, within that first 10 games that he was one of the better players, at least his ceiling is higher and what he, what he's capable of doing is higher than, than some of the players on this roster. And now that he's tapping into it and, and, and certainly the consistency is the question. Cause I think they even saw it last year in Saskatoon where he, he looks like he's, you know, he's a brilliant player other times. And, and sometimes, um, you know, his game fell off, but you know, even a year older now, maybe, maybe it's clicking and, you know, he's a little bit more developed, but, yeah, he's doing things out there that you're not, you know, I was looking at it. He's second to Kane in five-on-five five goals. You know, he's tied for third. He's He's got as many goals as Dabrinkit right now, and, he, and he's played he's played fewer games than a lot of these guys. And 
and a lot um, fewer minutes. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, you know he's playing yeah he's playing bottom six role for the most part and and not on the power play as much and um, yeah it's uh, he's one of those reasons why you know like if he continues to get better and he, he uh, he's one of those things where he, he he's sort of that surprise and maybe sort of like sod in in uh, in the thirteen season where he 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 becomes this key piece to uh, to a playoff team that you didn't expect you know I mean Carcillo started. Uh, you know, started right. that first game, and if Carcillo doesn't get hurt, you know, Saad, you know, Saad maybe gets sent back to Rockford, but um, you know, Doc gets that look, and the fact that the fact the Blackhawks were so adamant about giving him a chance, you know, it wasn't they could have easily just sent him back to back to juniors if uh, you know, especially having that concussion, and you know, maybe maybe he disturbs things if you put him on the ice, and you know, they're, they're looking for chemistry and they're they're looking for that right start and. And Bowman and Carlton were adamant about, um, you know, we want to give him a look. We want to give him a few games. And, um, you know, from there, he looked like he belonged. And, and, and to his credit, he, he keeps on proving that he, um, not that he just belongs, but that he can help this team. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see where uh, where this goes. And um, I imagine at some point they probably have to give him more ice time and give him more opportunities. And, um, you know, especially with that uh, the top line kind of, uh, kind of being up and down still at, at times, I I, I think Doc, you know, I, I think you said it too that even you know, Doc, why not try Doc with with Sod and um, Sod and Taves and see see where that goes. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think the Blackhawks could have asked anything more for where he is uh, at this point of the year. Yeah, he's always been confident. Like you talk to him in training camp, you talk to him at the draft, you could tell he was a confident kid. But now it's starting to translate on the ice. Uh, he had, I think it was four shots on goal in the previous six games before the Toronto game. He's got. Uh, nine shots on goal in the four games since. He had four against Buffalo. He had three against Vegas. He's feeling it. He's being more aggressive. He's taking it to the net. He's not just standing around waiting to get a rebound. He's he's being the aggressor. Uh, he beat Jack Eichel twice last night for 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 goals. And you know he's he's he looks strong. He's getting more minutes now. He's up to almost 14 minutes last night against Buffalo. But you're right. I mean, he should be getting a chance with Sodden Taves. Nylander, you know, it's interesting because Nylander was he he kind of had that dip. And we all assumed he was going to be a healthy scratch and that Drake Kajula was going to step in. But then in Vegas, all of a sudden, Drake Kajula is in concussion protocol. Nylander stays up there, gets a couple of goals against Nashville, and now he's got that spot again. But it, it, it'd be worth a look. You put Doc on the power play, put him on that top line, give him 16, 17 minutes, see what happens. You know, everything else is going so well right now. He's not going to make you worse. You know, you might just unlock him even more. And if you can get that... You know, that's what they don't have right now. They've got five of the top six. They don't have that top line right wing. I'm still not convinced on Nylander. He certainly shows flashes. He's been very productive, but he kind of comes and goes. If they could flesh out that spot and get a permanent spot there, a permanent guy there, that top six is going to be really, really tough to stop. And that's what this team needs because, again, they need to score goals. Um, uh, you know, what's what else have you seen? I, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna, uh, Kuba Leak's actually been on the ice for a couple – with two of Doc's goals, and I and I think he was on the ice for one of the goals yesterday, and then I think uh, recently too. So in, in 20 minutes of five on five ice time together this year, um, Doc's produced two goals, and he had a he set up Kubalik for a goal. Just uh, it was that Nashville game too, I think, where he had uh, he he had the four check, and then it was a primary assist. So a lot of his, you know, maybe it's something. It seems like Kubalik's had that with a lot of players this year too, where. He's arguably arguably been one of the Blackhawks' better players at driving possession and and you know at least being on the ice for a lot of other people's goals and um, you know I, I think maybe that's you know maybe that's something too where I, you know as much as 
you know, I, feel, I think they feel like Doc's, you know, they put him on that fourth line, it's helped too, but maybe maybe putting him in more of a top-nine role and either giving him on that top line or... Because um, I, I even thought Kubalik was better with Saad too. I felt like those guys were, were such yeah. a great combination. And um, it's... Um, yeah, I, I think they also worry of where they put Nylander because I, I, I feel like they, they're not as sure he can be as productive with certain players too so i feel like that plays plays a part of it but i i think doc's proven certainly that he uh he's, he's capable of uh maybe more if you put him with with with, with even higher end players and, and give him more ice time so um i, I don't know how much they're going to mess with success you know i'm, I'm sure uh, they feel like they have a winning formula here but it's uh, I, I think there's even there's even more possibilities in that I agree. Let, let's see. Twitter's not mad about anything this week because the Hawks are winning. So let's <laughs> but let's get to some of the questions and comments. Uh, Luke Stanberry asks, uh, Bowman did a good job of filling in many of the team's holes during the offseason, although you probably don't win a cup with this defense. What does the roadmap back to legitimate Stanley Cup contender look like from here? Well, I think it's it's Boquist. It's Mitchell. It's, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's winding down some of the older guys and bringing in some of the younger guys. You know, I don't think this team's a cup contender for another year or two, probably. At that, and that's best case scenario, but they're making those steps that you need to make. And you're getting Kirby Doc, uh, like all that development we're talking about, Nealander, all this development, Kubalik, all these guys are going to be pieces if this team ever gets to that level again. So this year is a transition year. If you can make a playoffs out of it and win a round or two, all the all the better. But this year, this isn't a cup year for this team. It's a transition year. Um, that next wave of prospects, they need to get more forwards in the in the system. They don't have a lot of young, dynamic forwards outside of Kirby Doc. So um, whether it's through trades like the Nylander acquisition, things like that, but uh, it's going to take time. They have they have a lot of the pieces in place. Um, it's just going to take time. It, it's 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 a it's a slower it's a slower build than I think people want to you know admit. What what I'll say is I I don't think on paper this is a cup team. You know, like it's not it's not one of the best teams pound for pound in the league. But if you get in the playoffs, like anything can still happen. And when you have two goalies and, and yeah. you think you'd start riding one, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I I don't know what this team is. You know, like I I don't think it's one of the best teams. But I also don't think the NHL is a league that. No, this isn't the NBA win. where the best team wins. <laughs> right, so right. Anything, like that's the can thing. Like in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. You know, the fact that you have an element that sometimes decides games, which is goaltending. That that, um, you know, like it's. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's one of the best teams, but if it gets in the playoffs, I, I don't, you know, like, I don't. Well, that's say what the that. players say all the time. I mean, you know, all, all the last two years that you, 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 hear, you hear Patrick Kane say over and over again, you just got to get in. You just got to get in. Anything can happen once you get in. You kind of like laugh at it. Yeah, it's cliche, but he's right. I mean, we've seen eight seeds like the Kings in 2012 win the Stanley Cup and barely lose a game because Jonathan Quick was unbelievable. Right. We've seen, you know, Nashville as an eight seed the year that they swept the Hawks. They made it to the Stanley Cup final. It happens all the time. Look at Vegas. Comes out of nowhere. And they go to the Stanley Cup final. So anything can happen once you get in. There's no doubt about that. Um, you got... Yeah, goaltending is the biggest, you know, leveling factor there is. And the Blackhawks have two goalies who you would feel confident with in just about any game. So, sure, get in. Get in first. And then we can talk about that. Yeah. The Blackhawks have the best five-on-five save percentage in the league, and it's third overall uh, third overall in save percentage. So, it, it's um, – and it's weird because, you know, Crawford looked like he was going to – it was going to be Leonard's team. You know, like those first five games, uh, his, his save percentage was under nine and – um, it was uh, 900, and it was yeah. It, it looked like you know what what the Blackhawks hoped 
this tandem was going to be. It wasn't, you know, it just wasn't going to be that. And, and now that Crawford's been at that level too, um, it, it, it changes the na- dynamic. And, and I know that you had a quote yesterday too, you know, I'm saying that uh, as much as these guys would prefer to be playing more, they, they see how this is working and it's hard to argue with that right now. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I asked Crawford the same question after the Vegas game about the rotation and he was like, not that thrilled about it, but after this one, he's like, yeah, I, I can't argue with it. You know, it's like it's working right now. How could anyone complain when we're both playing at this level? You want both of us want to get the net. We want to play multiple games in a row. But how can anyone argue with it when it's working this well? If, if they can both play forty-one games and have a save percentage in the nine twenties, Jeremy Carlton look like a genius, and so will Stan Bowman. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, Michael Alper, when the Hawks play a Canadian team, why do they announce the playing of the Canadian National Anthem and then Star Spangled Banner? Why don't they say, oh, Canada, the song has a name, drives me nuts every time? (laughs) I've never thought about that before. I know for a fact that when I'm in Canada, they say for the singing of, oh, Canada, and I think they say the Star Spangled Banner. Maybe it's just a Chicago thing. I'm pretty sure that some cities say, oh, Canada. Now this is going to bug me. I'm, I'm not going to be in Canada until January, and now this is going to bug me. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. <laughs> These are important questions. I have no idea. <laughs> um, Sean T. Rohasek asks, is the Popeye's chicken sandwich worth it? I was just – I was on my way to the grocery store. I saw Popeye's. There's one right by my house, and I was going to pop in, and I was going to get one, and they were out of the chicken sandwich at 1030 in the morning. I've actually considered stopping by there, but I've been reluctant because I don't want to wait and then because I don't know if I anything I want anything else from Popeyes. So I just you know I, I've had it. There's a fear of the, it being out that I, I I haven't gone. There's a the first time it came out when it was really like the big oh my god thing. I had it and it was pretty good. It was fine. It was a chicken sandwich. It's not as good as Chick Fil A's. So I don't know. Maybe it, maybe maybe hate. And bigotry just tastes better. I can't explain it, but Chick-fil-A is still a little bit better. Sorry, Popeyes. Our, our producer just popped in and, and said that Popeyes is not. He just said, he put a no with four explanation points that are that it, Adam <laughs> said it, it's, it's not worth it's, it. So it's fine. It's a chicken sandwich. It's fine. There, there are. It's better. It's better than going to McDonald's. Let's just put it that way. Yes, uh, that's true of many things. <laughs> oh, what do we got here? Um, I'm looking for more stuff, and everyone's just, we've already answered all these questions about the lines. and uh, Give me your Colleton hot takes, Michael McGuire says. Good coach, bad coach, or is it the boring young coach still learning answer? In that case, how long is his leash? Well, his leash is a lot longer now than it was three weeks ago, certainly. Uh, I don't think he's in, his, his seat is not hot anymore, obviously, with the team is playing this well. Um, I think it is too early to say if he's a good coach or a bad coach. I think, you know, he, he's as advertised. He is a great communicator. The players like him. They respect him. He's really good with young players. Um, And he's learning the league. He doesn't have a lot of experience. Most NHL coaches are an assistant first, or they've been a head coach in the the American League for a long time. He had barely a year in the American League and a couple of years in like a second-tier Swedish league. So, I mean, it was a big risk hiring him to replace anyone, let alone Joel Quenville. But he is learning. He is adapting. Um, It's good to see that, you know, as stubborn as he was in October, he didn't let that linger very long. He realized it wasn't working, and he was willing to adapt. Uh, and that's all you can ask of a coach, is that, uh, especially a young coach, is that he's learning on the fly. Um, so far, so decent. I don't know how you can really complain too much right now with the way things are going. You know what's interesting is that he doesn't really have a lot of NHL experience in any way, considering that he was sort of uh, more Maybe of a career games, minor leaguer, yeah. too, you know? Um, so... Yeah, he's, you know, I'm sure he's watched a lot of NHL like everyone else, but yeah, the fact that he has an experience, I mean, he played played 57 career NHL games, and 
and then his his obviously his, his coaching resume wasn't there when he when he got hired and so it, it is he has such a different path than than so many other people that are coaching um it is unique so i i do think he's still learning and i i, I think um you know i i think i agree with some of what he says and, and disagree with some of it and certainly we took him to task a bit about line combinations and how some of those things are important but it's not the um, combo scott it's not the combos. <laughs> it's uh, I I think that he's made adjustments too. You know I, I think he's, um, you know, he he's got into the right place and and um, and, and we'll see. You know I, I think the jury is still out. That we'll, we'll see over time and, and it, it's early to be judged. But I I think the fact that he's um, that that he has it longer leash now yeah, that you'll get to see it kind of unfold and see what he's capable of because um, it's interesting because I I don't think if this went the wrong way for him early on I don't know if he ever gets another NHL look right like it's just it's uh, it'd be difficult to say that he deserves a one without having to kind of probably work his way up and and go the more traditional path but um he's extended that stay by by the Blackhawks turning this around and winning some games and um and and yeah we'll we'll, we'll probably know more of it later this year and and and, and possibly the coming years of what what he is as a coach but th- there's definitely has to be a learning curve because you know i think what quinville and especially you know the fact that we co- covered one coach for so long that we um we got to have the kind of an appreciation with the way that quinville pushed buttons and and certainly his communication wasn't always there and i think that frustrated players but the way that he pushed buttons and, and often just matched up with teams i think matchups are such a key to key to that and you know the way that he utilized kruger and then um, you know, yeah. As he, an as an in game coach, Colleton has a long way to get to Quenville's level, but that's what comes with thousands of games of experience. For sure, yeah. So, but nobody nobody had quite the knack for you know all of a sudden throwing a guy that he had a sense that this fourth liner was having a bit of a game, throw him into a top six role and let him go wild for for twelve minutes. Uh, he had such a knack for he had a feel for the game that I don't think Colleton quite has yet. But again, that comes from just doing it over and over. It comes from reps, like anything else. You whether you're a coach or a player, you need reps and. You know, it's going to take some time before he can do that. It's funny. The same guy had questioned why uh, why you seem very polarizing and people seem to like me. And I think it's just that uh, you, you express <laughs> your opinion a lot more than I do. I I, I keep it and, within. And not just on hockey things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're uh, coming up on another election year. The last election year was not good for my follower count. <laughs> I, I think I lost. Uh, wait I lost until my, my, my 2020 comes. My account's only become political and I won't even. I'm, whole, I, I'm, I'm dying for it. I want to know. I want to know what you feel. <laughs> No, it's funny because I, I I I talked about this you know every time like a new writer comes up and they talk about like oh, how did you get a how do how do you get followers and how do you I'm like well you got to be yourself like my first year and a half I was just like only talking about hockey and I was you know I was having fun but I wasn't like really being me and then all of a sudden one year I just said screw it and I just started you know the the the, the me on Twitter is 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 for better or worse than me in person and uh, some people like that and a lot of people don't. Uh, I, I, get, I don't I think called... I don't think I am myself as much. I, I think we'd be talking a lot more about Irish politics and, and Irish, Irish music, music and and Irish and, bars and Irish hats and and, and, and hip hop and uh, and <laughs> uh, yeah, indie music and things. And yeah, I don't uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll. Uh, maybe, no, I, I think I, I I appreciate what you do on Twitter. And I appreciate you are who you are, and I, I certainly like you as a person. And um, <laughs> I uh, yeah I don't know I, I guess maybe some, I, I get called condescending. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a just lot. not that I, too, I I certainly have more beyond what I tweet out there in my certain my view beliefs and uh, what I like and I uh, I guess yeah I'm you're a lot more fun to have a beer with than to read on Twitter I'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> and and, that, and that's, that's why there are a lot more, there are a lot more fewer people a lot less people <laughs> following me on Twitter than they do you you're, you are certainly I, I find you do entertaining away from the 
to Twitter, but you are certainly more entertaining than I am. On I get called condescending a lot. Am I condescending? Uh, I don't. I think yeah, I'm. I'm I'm playfully condescending, perhaps. I don't think I'm like. I don't think I'm. No, it's just it's just tone never comes across right. Like it's that's true. I, It's just it's the, the hard sar- part. The of sarcasm it. font is yet to be invented. Somehow yeah, it's, it's not years. like if, the, if you can switch <laughs> to sarcasm font, I think a lot of people would take you. Uh, yeah, I think there'd be more people happier than than they I are. Know, I, I lost fifteen hundred followers during the Republican National Convention last uh, in twenty sixteen, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in twenty twenty. <laughs> but the thing is, you, you usually build up on the other side, so I. I mean, you you have a pretty healthy follower. Yeah, now. I, I, I've separated the wheat from the chaff a little bit. You know, I, 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 I thinned the herd where it needed to be thinned. <laughs> I didn't want those people on my timeline anyway. Um, I don't know. Do you got anything else to talk about? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, what uh, what do we got this week? Uh, you, you just wrote about Connor Murphy today. Um, yes, it, it's go interesting. Read it. It's 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 a uh, how he is one of the what, what, most most played uh, his most what, most games or among the most played games without well, only uh, only six players have played more games without making uh, the playoffs than he has and four of them are on the Sabers so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah that, that's interesting and uh, I, I think uh, you know we're gonna do the grades for tomorrow um, uh, we have uh, I think a couple interesting stories coming later this week, but uh, fans seem to be interested in analysis right now too. I know we've been doing all that a little bit more. Where, um, yeah, when, you guys got to read the features too. Don't just read the analysis. Come on, help us out. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like we have some good features coming up, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I uh, found a long-term projects I'm working on that I, I I can't reveal yet, but they'll be good uh, some point down the road. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then we'll have another podcast on Thursday. So. And we'll talk strictly about politics on that one. <laughs> Buddha Jedger uh, Warren. That's all we're going to talk about for 35 minutes. <laughs> I, I look forward to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I think that'll call it for today, huh? All right. Well, until right. next time, I'm Mark Lazarus. I'm Scott Powers. See ya. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?